Harmony's Best Kept Secret Tour Podcast. I'm here with uh, Deep Fried Man. You call um, me Daniel. Yeah, but I, I want to know that. Daniel Friedman. Friedman. Daniel Friedman. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise known as his stage name, Deep Fried Man. Which is where the name comes from. Well, that's who I'm interviewing now, is Deep Fried Man. Yes. He, he's, yeah, he's, <laughs> a, he's, he's, he's a good performer. For he likes to speak <laughs> in the third person. <laughs> so what's going on, man? Uh, I met you in uh, in Boxburg. Uh, Do you know what's cool is that because <laughs> mainly American people are going to watch this, I assume. Yeah. And they're not going to No, nobody's going to watch this. Don't oh, worry. okay, good. <laughs> because cause I can only assume that um, that if... People from America watch this. They won't know how but bad Boxburg. it is to be in Boxburg. <laughs> no, I think I think these I, I think this should drive some South Africans to the thing. I'm trying to build a little South African fan base. That's sort of the goal. Where's the equivalent of Boxburg in? Are you from New York? Yeah. Okay. Um. Ever like every. There's no place that's 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 that close to the center of the city that yeah. is that bad. I suppose because I mean New York of all the places in America would be like the least inbred part of America. Yeah, but then there's like Utica. Or like Syracuse, a place. So I, I always have this bit about how there's there's a town outside of every town that you live in that that has a shitty name, and you just have to find what that town is when you go play a new town. And for here, it's and Boxburg and, and Breckpan. And that same joke will work yeah. wherever you Everywhere. go. As no, long that's as you very true. As long as you figure out. That's very true. But if you lived in certain parts of America, yeah. like Missouri, yeah. it would be a lot easier for you to it's find. It's so that much closer. Place. Yeah. yeah. It's not even that it's easier. It's just closer. It's like yeah. it's it's way more. It just it just it just depends on how far out you have to go before you find the one. So even in Syracuse, there are suburbs within that were worse. So I was from Baldwinsville, and the one that we used to make fun of was Salve, and so we'd make up rumors. We'd be like, "Oh well, in Salve they eat cats," which is funny as well because I always grew up in what is known as the northern suburbs, yeah, which is kind of like the more well-to-do area. Sure. And I always used to think of the East Rand as being really dodgy. Now, Boxburg's part of the East Rand. Okay. But there's other areas of the East Rand, like Bedford View, which are actually quite fancy areas. Okay. But to us, it was all the same thing. So if someone said right. to me, I'm from Bedford View, I would judge that person. As the East Rand. Okay, the East Whereas Rand. Whereas if you're from Bedford View, you're going to judge people from Edenville. And you're right, it always does work that way. Yeah. And, and it's this like... It's a human cycl- condition. It's a cycling of judging. And then where would it end? W- and the, like the worst w- place in the world. Yeah, because we, we just want to be the best. But there must be someone who lives in the uh, place. Or I guess so we don't want to be the best. We want to not be the worst. We want to not be the worst. It's yeah, definitely that. That's the whole thing. It's definitely that. You just want to know that there's someone worse off than so you. So here's what happens. When you find the place that is the worst place, they admit it. So I'll play the worst place like in St. Louis. It's a place called um, uh, Festus. Yeah. And I'll make fun of Festus, two Festus people, and they, they don't have a retort because they're like, you're right, this is you're terrible. Right, yeah. They, 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 they've they embraced it in a right. way because they so can't really claim there's a, a worse yeah, place. Yeah, so in Boxburg, I feel like that was the vibe. I don't they know. They knew they were I the worst. I don't know. That's, that's, that, is, that is quite accurate, but I would say there are some steps down from Boxburg. Okay. Um, there would be Brackpan. Yeah, that's yeah, the one. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to use. That yeah. is, yeah, that is a step down from Bucksburg. So what happens in Breckpan? Nice like, wha- what's the identifying factors of Breckpan? Well, the things that people would talk about in comedy would be, you know, the usual incest, bad yeah. teeth. Is it really happening, or is drugs? It just yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's happening. I don't know if it's happening because who knows? Because I mean, I'm from Johannesburg and you're from New York, so maybe we're just elitist snobs <laughs> who assume that people who come from areas which <laughs> are 
less well known than us uh, or less well to do. Uh, but that's to uh, assume that no one uh, uh, fucks their cousin and no one does drugs, and that's not true. Yeah, I was just being <laughs> I, I was being on the generous side. <laughs> that's of what I mean, so They probably are right. fucking their cousins <laughs> in Brooklyn. I just want to give them the benefit. Yeah, of the so doubt. it's gotta so come from somewhere. Yeah. So I seem like a better person. Yeah. Yeah, I liked how you framed everything. You, you called your area the well-to-do. You know, you know, <laughs> you know called yourself rich. Yeah, I like this. <laughs> uh, I mean but, now, but now you've grouped me. As long as you've grouped me, then we could be snobs together. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. I like that. Okay, but so um, you have a you, can I talk about this? You have a day job. I do have a day job. So and you've, you've come into this recent. thing differently. That's that well, well, I haven't come into this thing differently because... Since 2011, I started comedy in 2010. Yeah. And since 2011, I've been a professional comedian, no, no day shit. job. So I, the day job that I've got now, I've been there two months, and that's the first day job I've had okay. in eight years. So it's not. So when I yeah, met so you. Yeah, so I'm not like the day job comedian. I'm, I'm a, d d a comedian who now is the day job comedian and for why? the first time. Why is that? Uh, for a number of reasons. Um, I've, I've got a kid. Yeah, it helps. <laughs> so do you know what the thing is? What there have the been times yeah. when comedy has been very kind to me in terms yes. of the fact that I've made probably more money from it at that time than I could have made doing anything else. I will else. say, from the standpoint of I'm hanging out with a lot of the right comedians and the comedians that people know in this country, but for some reason, every time you're somewhere, as you're walking in the room, there's always people going, oh, that's Deep Fried Man. They know you. They know your face. I, I'd like to think so, yeah. which is cool. But I think the thing is that there w once the thing is, in a way, do you have kids? No. Okay, so I'm a godparent. Does that count? That is amazing <laughs> because you can really just can go, go I can pour leave. water over the kid's head and then leave, you know? <laughs> and if it gets pneumonia, it's not your right, problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, know? I wasn't there so for that. What are you talking <laughs> about? Yeah. <laughs> but but, but th the thing is, it, it's like I really envy a lot of comedians. Comedy is not a career which lends itself to stability, right. especially with the traveling. And so I find a lot of comedians will be in their 40s and 50s without ever, ever having settled down. Right. And I really envy that because, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that I don't love my wife or yeah. that I don't love my kids. She's never going to watch this. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> ah, fuck. I hate them both. <laughs> They're awful. They're awful. I can't escape. <laughs> no, no, it's not that. It's just I, I, I think there's that thing of whatever your life is, you kind of envy the other side. Yes. Of it. And there's there's really that freedom. Imagine like waking up at noon. I don't have to imagine this. Comedy. this. That's your life. <laughs> you're describing that my, my day. Once. That was my life once. And, and that, wait, wait. That go on with the thing. Imagine. That freedom is amazing. You wake up whenever you want. Yep. You don't have to care about work yep. until you're at the club at yep. night. And even then, it doesn't really seem like work. People yep. are having a good time. You're with friends. This and is my life. After your show, you can have fun and party. And yeah. then you wake up the next day and you do it all again. That's my life. Yeah. Well, that's, not yeah. that's not my life. I wake up every morning at 6 in the morning. Yeah. And I guess what, does, what, what that means is that you don't have that freedom of like. Also, the other freedom of not having attachments is that you can be broke. Right, you're right. Nobody, because because you're not going to judge yourself. No, and it's not even that. It's the fact that my life now. You're responsible every for other people. I need to. I need to have an X amount of money just to survive because I've right. got a bond, which is what we call a mortgage. Yeah. I've got a son right. who <laughs> at some point <laughs> is going to need to be educated. Right. Well, he needs I've food as well. Yeah. I've got. <laughs> uh, you know. So so your life becomes such that it's like. I can't earn less than a certain amount. Right. And with comedy, or people it's like I had some nerve-wracking months last year. And then okay. I was just like... I don't want to be in this position again. Yes. And at the same time, 
comedy had become a bit of a job for me. You know what I mean? And it's okay. like I've been feeling so free since I got the day job, which yeah. is not what you'd expect. But I feel free in terms of my comedy in that right. I can say no to well gigs if I don't want to do them. Well, you you're well, you're in a you're in a beautiful position, right? Because you don't have to. Um, Sorry, I got distracted by someone's on the wall. I, I forgot what my point was. But um, I don't have to suck don't dick for. You don't have to suck dick for. No, you don't have <laughs> to uh, 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 develop your your skill set or your name. You're already there, right? So it's like so to get the day job once you're established is a little easier. Like you don't have to do the struggle part of comedy anymore because you already did it. Well, uh, what I'd like to think is like I th I think I went I've been through some periods in comedy where I'll say yes to literally anything. Right, right. And I think and now, now I that. feel I've got the luxury of saying I only want to do these gigs. Right. You know, and I think that's a great space to right, be in. Right. Right. So that's so that's where the, the added the, the having the day job works and it fits in with the with the, with yeah. the lifestyle. Yeah. And also now I feel like comedy is a release for me again. Yeah. When it's a job, it stops feeling like a release. Whereas comedy at its best it's like you feel relieved after right. you get on stage it's like almost like scratches and itch right yeah there's mm -hmm. this yeah there's this thing of like when i travel and and i travel to other countries where i might not have like i was in london for a week before and i wasn't able to get any spots until the the week that i go back and so i didn't do comedy for a week and a half and then i got out here and it just it feels terrible yeah, so it's like tense um yeah, yeah there's just the yeah there's no uh there's yeah there's no uh catharsis yeah and so it's now terrible. I feel I've got the catharsis, All but I don't time. have the stress. And also, I, f I expected to hate my day job, but it turns yeah. out by some weird freak of nature, I, I love doing yeah. it. Do we talk about it? Can we talk about it? You work at a... I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a news editor of yeah. a newspaper. Now, w now you know yesterday that the some guy walked into a newspaper in Maryland. Yeah, and no, I heard people. five people were shot. Yeah. So now that's my job to know exactly what's happening all <laughs> over the world, right. mainly South Africa, because we are a very South African-centric yeah. publication. But, I mean, obviously, as journalists, we heard about that. But that that's was messed up. And did you know they put out a publication the next day? I thought that was incredible. Um... Okay, I wasn't sure what you were gonna say. I wasn't sure if, that if you were gonna say that was insensitive or that was whatever. But like, you got <laughs> no, 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 you, no, you no, have no, to. No, no, no. like you have to. But but yeah. I think I mean I know. But I think if they didn't put out a publication the next day, no one would have been like, "You lazy right. bastards!" Okay, like five of I their colleagues were gunned down. So, so I'm was, saying, so was to me, it's a symbol. To me, it's a symbol of like that's real journalistic yeah. grit. You know, that vibe of like five of us have been killed, but we're gonna get up and do it tomorrow. Right, morning. right, right. You know, I mean, that, that was really impressive. That, yeah, that's the journal. I mean, that's. I mean that's what I loved about the newsroom, the the Aaron Sorkin yeah, the, show. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, that's that's the thing. I, I, it took me a long time to identify what I loved so much about Aaron Sorkin when other people didn't, and it was it was that every character that he writes is in love with their profession. Yeah, and I and I relate to that. Yeah, no, I, I, I with West Wing as well. It's yeah, like no, ma like no matter what's going on, they have to they have to make sure that the the duty that they're responsible yeah. for gets and done. In a way, that would also be a big criticism that, criticism that people would level against him. Like that was a criticism that I had of the West Wing, which is that it's a great, gripping, amazing show. But I was like. There's no universe in which politicians would give a fuck this much. Right, right, right. You know right, what I mean? Right, he always right, gave sure. this sense. Yeah. That, like, that's exactly everybody what you And everyone each in person really has their own moral responsibility. Mm, and each person cares about their job and has a really deep moral compass. And yeah. I just thought that's so unrealistic. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess, that, I guess that's <laughs> the part, right? I guess that's but the part. But I almost used to see, I always used to see the, the, the administration in, in West Wing as being like what a pres an, an administ presidential administrative. Um, supposed to be w would be in its best case scenario. Yeah, that's how right, I, I talk about this about a lot. Yeah. This idea that uh, that the difference between what a word is by definition and and what it is in practice, yeah. that gap I is is the humanity part. Oh yeah, so absolutely. It's like, it's like everything that we think democracy is supposed to be, and then what yeah. it ends up becoming. A and in, in politics, that's the hugest gap. I can't right. think of a of right. any profession where there's as huge a gap. Yeah, well, and, and not even profession, but every word has that. I mean, love. Mm. Every, I mean, every word has the the gap of what what would monogamy. What its ideal is. What it, what it would 
with what mm. it's supposed to be and what, then what it's it ideal becoming. Is and right. what it becomes. Honesty. Monogamy is an interesting one. one. Honesty is the big one because Honesty. everybody uh, in relationships thinks that they don't need to tell each other the the main like the. And then that's also that relates to fidelity as well. Is right. like, is the only form of infidelity to have a physical affair? Right. Or where does it draw the line? Right. Like is is watching porn an infi- form sure. of infidelity? Is um, having a crash on someone yeah, but not telling you? Your yeah. I- I well, or like uh, you've got a crash on someone, you don't tell yeah. your wife about well it, but you, you and, start th- and you start thinking about them. And this is all a big debate, right? So well, because you went and then not talking about and then not it, telling your wife about it. it. Yeah. And then now yeah. you're having sex with this person at the office Christmas party. Like this is a, re- a, 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 <laughs> a very specific but theory I have. But um, do you think it's a form of infidelity even if it doesn't reach that final stage of sex well at the office the Christmas party? Well, my problem is that I, I, I answered an open relationship last year with this exact goal in mind, which is if you got a crush on somebody, then you tell me. Yeah. And then we talk about it. And, and then maybe like it dies right there. Maybe is that it like doesn't. polyamory or is um, it more just like openness about it is It is whatever. tough, right, because polyamory, I think, is, is more related to everyone being involved in the same uh, group of other relationships, right? Okay. Versus an open relationship for what I... I, uh, I I designed with with this woman that that I was doing this with what we designed was just be honest about everything and so my my struggle was that I was starting a comedy tour I met her right at the cusp of starting a comedy tour I was gonna be gone for 90 days where I had a bunch of sort of like surface level relationships that I knew I was going to be involved in along the way that could lead to sex mm. and hooking up and things like that. and this. so you don't want a situation where you have to constantly live in guilt or right. shame or right like and then I also didn't want to maybe live my life differently because it wasn't, and we decided, she decided that it wasn't fair to me uh, being put in this position now that we like each other, we just met each other. I like this woman. Right. And, uh, and, and to, for, to say, hey, you can't Janine, do these things. Janine, are you watching this? <laughs> uh, M- Basically Melissa, Melissa, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm talking to my wife. Oh, right you're right wife. <laughs> Open relationships, baby, they okay. work. They're well, they're he's going to bring me home and we'll work it out. <laughs> no, but there really was. I mean, we tried to remove jealousy and those in possession from a relationship. And did it work? It did. It did to a certain extent, but then we we, we we hit a battle, and then because we were so open with things, what happened was I felt like she made a decision on our behalf without me, and I felt like that broke the rules. So it's almost like I'm going to be completely honest to someone. What could possibly go wrong? Right. Well, the, the <laughs> what, what goes wrong is it. What, the, what goes wrong is as soon as you find out what the what the what the dishonesty is, then you go, well, you broke because the rules of the relationship. Because it's almost impossible to to live in complete honesty. Do do human beings have the capability of doing? Well, we were honest, and that was the thing, right? So it w- the problem was that she. So every other decision that we had made up to that point, we did together. Yeah. Now she made a decision. Uh, on her own about what we were doing collectively. Yeah. And it's like, it's one thing to say, well, this is what's going to work for me, but it wasn't that. It was more like, this is how what we need to do to move forward. And for me, it was like, well, y- that's not, w- you know, this should be, this should have been a six-hour discussion together when you first were hurt or whatever the thing was so that we make the decision as a team. I feel like I've gone too deep into this relationship with you. I feel like I'm in your bedroom now. I feel like I'm lying in bed and then she's on the one and side, you're on the other side. You're and jerking you us off? No, 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 I'm not jerking <laughs> you off. We're just talking honestly <laughs> about our feelings. No, no <laughs> one. Y- no, don't talk about your feelings in bed. You sit down at a table like an adult. Okay, okay. What is that where it can go wrong? Is it no, because uh, I've been in plenty of relationships where it's like, where, where it's like, uh, yeah, you get in that mode, and then what happens is you just solve it in the bedroom, but then you find out you never solved it because you solve it in the end through sex, right? Because through talking honestly, you're like, oh, I've never been so open with anyone before. Right. No, I'm so hard right now. <laughs> 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 yeah. And then you have sex, and then right. afterwards you think that the sex has cured the relationship, and, it has and, and then know. the problem's still there at the yeah. other side. Yeah. Man, this is deep. Yeah. Well, what? Ha- so you wha- should be a. 
the couples therapist. Oh, because I thought you were gonna say you should be the host of a podcast. What is so what so what is it that you do with your wife that makes it so successful? Um, I I think what makes our relationship so successful is that I just do exactly what she wants all the time. That's one of the tricks, isn't it? <laughs> no, well, like for instance, we have compromise in our relationship. For instance, Boo. when I'm it came kidding. when it came to kids, yep. um, I was like, I don't really want to have kids. Really? And she was like, I do want to have kids, and so we compromised and had kids. <laughs> That sort of thing. That's meeting in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see that. That sort the, of thing. That's yeah. the hard part. That, there's no real meeting in the middle on that one. The, uh, aside <laughs> no, from like, aside from one. like adopting a 16-year-old. That is like a hard. One. Like, do you know? Like two do you know makes it work? Is Janine really has strong ideas about what she wants in life, and yeah. I always and you have sit none? on the fence and have no. <laughs> I never know what I want, so she's like, "Let's do this," and I'm like, "Well, okay." okay. So this <laughs> is sort of a symptom. <laughs> it's a symptom of being a comedian. This is the thing I argue all the time: is that comedians can argue either side. We don't really care. We see the world for what it is. It is hard. It is hard, it's 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 it is true and it's it's a hard thing i have always envied people who are so sure about yeah? what they believe you know what i mean because if you don't have that you get accused of being like sitting on the fence being airy fairy not you know what i mean it's yeah, like and there are a lot of things that i'm on li- that, uh, that i'm like that about you know but I, like but for instance i'm i'm quite l- on the left in terms of all of my ideas yeah but at the same time there's a an element of the right which I can relate to, which is the whole thing of like you should be able to say whatever you want. Sure. And w- uh, there's such a thing as being too woke and going too far in terms of being too. Uh, I don't feel like no the right is using is using woke that often. The, the word woke. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they're using that no, word. Well, I mean That's I'm a left word. But uh, it's weird. It's like it, it's weird to have that thing of you can see from a distance that I'm definitely on the left. Yeah. And I definitely don't support the right, but I can see there humanity and the, right. the, the, the the sort of like uh, basis of what they believe. And I think that's the comedic aspect. And understand it. Is, is, is this, again, it's this, this ability to look at everything. Because we have to look at everything, at everything obje- objectively. That's Sarah the whole Silverman thing. Sarah Silverman, that's a lot of what Sarah Silverman's latest show was about. She did the show where she was like, I don't get Trump supporters. Yeah. But because of that, I'm going to sit down and talk to as many Trump supporters and see what I can find in common with them. Yeah. And what's quite interesting about the show is that she never, ever finds common ground with them politically. Yeah. So what she does realize is she can find common ground with them about other things. Right. You know, like, what can we talk about? Like, have this heated argument about politics, and then you realize, wow, I like Som- Simon and Garfunkel. Right, yeah. How is that, like right. How's that possible like that we like both that love Hall and Oates? Hall and Oates, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. that sort of thing, that sort of thing, like, that there is that common ground you can find with all people. And I think it's maybe more valuable to try and look for that than to try and, you know, have a pitchfork and say, you know, it, it's maybe more valuable to try and find common ground, even with people who yeah. you seriously disagree but with. But that's also mm. the whole goal of comedy, right, is, is to put all the bullshit aside mm. and to be able to, to put things in perspective, to, to have a, a shared human experience that yeah. makes us all feel Yeah, we were talking bl- about belonging. this today. We were talking about this today. Me and Troy Tesla, a South African comedian. Check him out on YouTube. Um, He's behind the camera. <laughs> 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 but we were talking about this today is that... Uh, the common human experience is that we were saying one of the tragedies of comedy in, in South Africa yeah. is that South Africa is quite a divided society. Right. People stick in their own little groups. Because yes. apartheid did a number on us, and even now that it's gone, we still, in a way, act like it's not. So I think there's harmony here. I do. When, when, I, when I come here and when I, and when I do things, but then I've been at, at certain Vernac shows that I do feel like an outsider, and it, yeah. feels, it feels difficult to come over the, the hump. Yeah. And then I was at a show last night where a, mm. a very popular Vernac comedian came on, yeah. and I could feel this vibe where there 
there was like 80% of the crowd that knew who he was, was loving it, whatever. Yeah. And then the other 20% of the crowd had no, no clue. idea who yeah. he was. Like the English-speaking people at a Banak comedy show, that's always quite a weird dynamic. You can it's have someone so like strange. Masha Bella. Masha Bella is, uh, does comedy in Sepedi. Yeah. And he's an icon and that's in the And that was the show. Those were the shows that I was yeah. doing was I was the only one speaking English and yeah. children people speaking So, so Masha Bella will, will do a set and you've never seen a reaction like that as in people are literally falling out yeah, of their throwing chair. chairs, yeah, people punching are going each other. Crazy. Yeah. But then you'll see the small amount of people who don't speak the language yeah. in the audience are sitting there like, what the fuck is going We're on? You just sure. see this like almost panicked look on yeah, their faces. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird... So, uh, <laughs> but we were, saying that, that we were saying that because of that, and, and, and in Durban, where, where, where Troy is from, it's, it's quite intense in terms of like you've got Zulu people, yeah. so it's a Banak crowd, then you've got very quite English-speaking white people, yep. and then you've got a Muslim, a very Indian audience, Hindu and, uh, Hindu and Muslim mix, so you've got these pockets of crowds, and it's very rare that you find yourself performing to everyone. Right, and so, well, so I mean, this is, but again, this brings me back to, yeah. like, this is the goal of comedy, right, is, is, to, is to find a universal Truth. And that's what I was saying. And I was talking about as a Jewish comedian, I once did a Jewish gig yep. with a bunch of other Jewish comedians and one guy called Joey Rastin, who's like a Muslim, a well-known Muslim comedian. Okay. And he killed by far the most because because he was the outsider, but he made an effort to understand. Like, for instance, he got on there and he had, had references and stuff that he had learned specially. Yeah. Like before he went on, he was saying to me, like, am I saying this right? Right, and right, right. Stuff. And I think there's something so powerful in going on stage and being, I'm not like you, but yet I am like you. Right. We are all human We're beings. We're the same. That's that human. Yeah. Yeah, it's to find that, to, to, to have that thing. And in South Africa, that thing can be quite powerful because of the fact that we are such a divided society and because we do judge each other so much based yeah. on like. I mean, that's why the hack sort of racial comedy was so big for a while here in terms of like, uh, you know, like, Black people do X, Y, See, and Z like but this, but white people do X, Y, and Z like so this. So it's difficult. And people do X, y and it's Z. difficult for to call it hack, right? Because you're sort of following in the shadow of of a of of scenes that have been doing comedy a lot longer, right? So yeah. your scene is only 26 years old. So for, so by definition, for you to come into the scene and start doing things that maybe we were doing in America and 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 like destroying for 30 years, yeah. And then now you come in, so it's like it's hack by association to comedy, but it but for from the realm of like comedy started here mm. uh so it can only s it can only go from here to a certain place right so it's like yeah. it's not really so it is interesting to watch because we're such a new comedy industry but so like in a sense it, it wasn't even hack for the first 20 years because but you but guys but hadn't but done what it i do yet. think is that someone has said as a criticism of the south african comedy audience is that they're not an audience who wants to laugh at themselves right so much as an audience that wants to laugh at other people. Sure. At the other. And, and I, think I think that's that where all comedy starts, though. Uh, but I think that's something that really the best comedy doesn't do that. The best yeah. comedy makes everyone in the room feel like they have been through something you've right. been through on stage, right. even though you're completely different. You right. Know, yeah, that, that was... Sense. Well, like, like even when you're watching, what I love about comedy is that if you're watching someone like Doug Stanhope, yep. now he might be something who someone who like drinks and smokes, and he's got that reputation of being like quite yeah. a... And you might not be that kind of person, but when he's talking about his lifestyle and living like that you can feel it you can feel right. like what it would be like there to are be aspects that. right that, so that you so can that relate to it allows you to put yourself in other people's shoes right. you know sure and, yeah. and I, I love that about it and you know even like uh i remember the moments as a kid ha uh, having something being said on uh, on a special that i'm watching and i'm like how does he know that i do that yeah. like that's how young of it you know what yeah. I mean? and it was just like because i started watching comedy from like probably second grade and so i was always watching and to like be able to to like get that we're all sort of 
the same and made out of the same materials was was an interesting thing for me as a human. Who was your first like comedy thing that you were exposed? I don't to? know. Well, this is funny because it was uh, it was Tim Allen because uh, it was the thing that I was like Tim sharing with my father. Tim the Tool Time Taylor. Yeah. So right, so What's he had two specials that came out right before he got that show. Okay. So then the whole thing got beaten into the ground. But initially, like it happened so fast and so quick, and it was such a specific moment in time that he like came up with this set, and uh, and it was it was brilliant. Uh, I mean, I you look back at it, and it's not brilliant. It's often like sitcoms, often, but are not um, just in terms of how they treat comedians. In terms yeah. of like, often the stand-up that comedians did before that sitcom yeah. will get ignored or forgotten. Right. And it often was very different to, like, for instance, yeah. for me, I've never seen his stand-up. All I've seen is home improvement. So right. it would be very hard for me. Hard so they, for me yeah, to they, think yeah, of they took a tiny little element that was that yeah. was good for thirty minutes or good for an hour, and then yeah. they made. 55,000 yeah. hours of yeah. it. You know what I mean? So there's, it was like 12 seasons. Yeah. And so they took that one thing and then they wrote the shit out of it. Yeah. So like it, it is. It's So just by the by the fact that he got a sitcom attack now. Yeah. Just like we like make fun of this this Jerry Seinfeld thing. Like what's the deal with? Yeah. That was a working model that was like perfect for him perfect when he started. Him. And then they, you know, they... And blew it kind of became in a the cliche, show. Yeah. yeah, through through him right. doing it in the show. Yeah. That's, and Absolutely. that's the problem: is is anything successful then Absolutely. becomes cliche in this business? Mm. But like Bob Saget was an eye opener to me because obviously we grew up knowing him only as that home. Imp um, I mean, right. as that what's it called? Well, he uh, got Full House. Full House. So he got mm. a role having nothing to do with his stand up. Yeah. Right? Same thing with like a, with like a Pee Wee Herman. Uh, uh, well, that's yeah. a very different story actually. Didn't uh, all I know Pee Wee Herman for is that doesn't he do kind of like creepy kids entertainment? But he was caught masturbating in a theater. Basically, <laughs> what happened was <laughs> he was doing he was doing an anti-kids show uh like like in in an adult and and um and not g-rated way and then somebody who had money was like why don't you just do it like a real kids show and he was like cool i guess i can do that so he, he kind of sold out so it was started out as a sort of parody as a sort of weird twisted right. parody it was like a live story. show where he was like a little he was like a little filthy a little dirty because that's yeah. who he is uh it was explicit and then they like chopped those pieces off and made it into a kids show. And then of course he's jerking off in the movie theater. What six could go later. wrong? <laughs> right, <laughs> this is terrible. That's right, a ter so terrible idea on yeah. whoever's part. Well, he made a bunch of money that. first. Okay, yeah. Well yeah. So, yeah. so it worked out. I don't know, but it's just like yeah, is he selling out? Or, and then now, um, you know, now guys like Judd Apatow were in power. They put they gave him that show back on HBO, and they were trying to bring the whole thing back. Which so one? They, they gave him an hour. Who? Oh, because oh, Judd Apatow's in power, then Pee-wee got a new show. So Judd Apatow yeah, yeah. put Pee-wee's show back okay. on HBO. Like the more filthy the version. The original oh, version. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that he's been almost vindicated now. Yeah, I mean, it's also been so long. And everyone that everyone that uh, that like was affected by the thing is now an adult. So how long is it going to be until Louis C.K. is in that same situation? That's funny. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Well, he's... he's uh, it's going to have to happen at some stage. He's hopping around. R rumor is he's hopping around getting spots in New York. What like small little rooms? Just hopping in, like yeah, just doing his thing, and uh, and he's starting to comment on things again on the internet. And do you think? Do you think he's? Im I mean, because my feeling is this: if you're Louis C.K. now, you get on stage. There's no way you can't start out by addressing what everyone's obviously thinking. Right. So it's like yeah, it's that moment. It's uh, so I'm sure he must start his set with addressing the masturbation stuff. Sure. He sure. Must. I mean, like well, what's interesting is if you watch all of his sets, he's been addressing the masturbation stuff his oh. entire career. Oh yeah, no, exactly. This but is the one that really so bothers me is because he's the one who's been telling us who he is the whole time. Yeah. So like when it's a betrayal like Cosby, then you go, well, this is terrible. When it's um, Louis C.K., you go, he's been telling us the whole time that he jerks off onto people's dead bodies. <laughs> like that was what, one of his bits in his first. Special. Yeah, that's true. But what's interesting about that for me is that he's got that bit about how, uh, which is like was seen as quite a like pro-feminist bit, which was that he says, um, 
you know, every time a woman goes on a date, it's kind of like going on a date with a it's half lion, half bear. Half lion, half bear. You know like what he's, he's going like to do. And it's like, you're like, I'm going on this date with this half lion, half bear. And you're like, <laughs> maybe this one will be nice. <laughs> right. And, like, and, like, and that's what he was saying. And what's interesting to me is that in the context of then, you thought maybe he was like making this like deep statement about how some men are. But when you think about it now, he's actually was making he's a statement about himself. About himself. He wasn't the saying he was time. any different. He's yeah. got bits where he's talking about how women are like, uh, <laughs> women are like, well, I have fantasies too. And he's like, you don't understand <laughs> the shit that's going on in my brain on constant loop. The shit that I have to bat away on constant loop. But, but okay, so, so do you think it makes him more endearing and more forgivable because he is um, someone who's a bit more self-aware of his own problems? Is someone like, well, I mean, obviously Bill Cosby's a bad Example because Bill Cosby took it to a level where it's like clearly. Well, Bill wrecked. Cosby's not a bad example, right? Because that's that's the example that he's being that, that Louis C.K. is being held. That's the standard he's being held to. Yeah, the punishment's the same. Yeah, well uh, in terms uh, of their drugging career. someone, knocking them out, and then having sex with them is, is now the, same the same as standing in the corner asking for permission and then not waiting long enough to get it. Yeah. Uh, the punishment's the same. And and we're viewing them in the same place, and, that, and I think that's the problem. And I that think that's have. what Bill Burr said, and I think that's yeah. I mean, Bill Burr's in that space where he can say things like that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, the the punishment, uh, the punishment is the same, which is, f I mean, look, it, uh, obviously he, what he was involved in is not uh, anything that we aspire to, right? It's nothing that that, that we want people to, to want do. to be involved in or to do, or or we don't want, and we don't want our wives or sisters or mothers or daughters to be in that situation. In si yeah. Um, but as far as apologies go, this man took responsibility for the for his actions. Yeah. Uh, uh, tried to to uh, give, um, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, some so much of himself to say to yeah. apologize to these people. Say that the position that he was in, he he abused. And you and are right that in a in a in a only slightly coded way, he was addressing yeah. it the whole time on stage, yeah. which is insane. But I mean, that's to me the insane thing about Bill Cosby is when you look at that and you know there's that thing of like, no matter how many women come forward, he's going to the grave saying that he never did any of it. You right. know what I'm saying? That's and, that's that yeah. and that's that thing that I, that, that I can't wrap my head around. And also, the, the more interesting fact that his wife is going to the grave as well. Well, no, uh, um, supposedly she's she bailed. She's out. Is she out now? Yeah, yeah she she took her long enough. She, she released left. she released like lots of letters like defending him. Yeah, beforehand. once uh once the, the once the actual um what is it the sentence not the sentencing but uh um once they they called him guilty she she left. Did she? Yeah. Hmm. And I she guess everyone has a breaking point. Yeah, yeah. So he's <laughs> I think he's just still. I mean I've been in South I Africa. I think that, that seems like too little, too late, if I may say so. It's like yeah. this guy's been doing this stuff for like forty years, and you you stand by his side, and then until just in, until the, the guilty <laughs> verdict. Yeah. Guilty verdict, like, yeah go, well, this isn't oh, gonna go good anymore. I, I guess I was. I guess I was wrong about you all along. Yeah. Yeah, Shit, no, man. you're not wrong. Um, I mean, and you know, yeah. So he's sort of alone now and sort of begging for her. And then Aziz, Aziz Ansari was an interesting one to me because then that was like an almost he for a day was looking like he was going to be the next Louis C.K. And then yeah. within days, people it were like, kind of "This is out. actually nonsense." Well, I think what happened is that with every case, it was almost hard to you know there was it was almost unacceptable the idea that you would write a think piece saying, "Well." What he did actually wasn't that bad. Right. Until as his Ansari's story came along yeah. because a lot of prominent feminists said this is taking the Me Too movement too far because if you read the woman's account, all she's saying basically is that he couldn't read signals well enough. And right. 
for a feminist, often you believe very much that agency is important and that uh, taking control of the situation right. is important. And many were offended at the idea that this woman wouldn't be more forceful in saying this is not wouldn't working, and wouldn't communicate, wouldn't communicate right. properly, and wouldn't leave. You know. Right. And so the fact that she didn't the whole time and felt uncomfortable afterwards, some questioned. We're not saying that he's a good lover. We're not saying that he's right. a nice person. But is it on that level? No, right. it's not. And I think enough people said that sure. for it to be quite clear that it wasn't going to end his career. Yeah, yeah. I, that's my take on it. I don't know. He's if been. He's. You know. He's been. He's been sort of like quiet in the in the whole thing as well. So that. I mean, I it's hard. I think what was hard about him and Louis C.K. is because those were the first two people who were accused who had reputations of being very much. Being had a good guy persona in terms of yeah. like like feminists were like this guy's an ally speaking about that stuff a right. lot. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, it's like was he? Uh, would like you I say Louis C.K. was a feminist ally? I would because both of them had like, for instance, on Master of None, which is Aziz's show. Yep. He had an episode where it was about a woman being followed home about how um, how common it is for women to be followed home. Yeah. Uh, and like that fear and how different it is as a man. So that's like to put an episode together like that puts you in that camp of being sure. an ally. And it seems quite. Louis C.K. I would say as well because he had quite a few like there was that episode of Louis where there was that overweight sort of woman who he ends up on a date with and yeah. she ends up making this really strong monologue about how superficial men are and, yeah, how yeah, they yeah. and you know it's stuff like that and then also like quite a few episodes where he kind of because that's Louis C.K.'s thing is he kind of confronts racism in a way of like this is bad but I'm almost guilty, you know. I'm yeah, guilty yeah, of it yeah. too. You know, he's, he's, his comedy's never like this is what they are doing. He's right. like, I'm, I'm he no. Takes, he takes, he takes uh, the responsibility. Yeah. And he did that a lot in his show in a way that that um, a lot of prominent feminists were like, no, this guy is I think speaking the truth. So he definitely was someone right. seen as an ally, and especially that bit, that bit of like half lion, half bear. That's what men are. Yeah. It seemed quite um, progressive to be and like embracing that. And there know? was a lot. Um, uh, there really was. There was a lot of those. Where mm. it, where it was where it was sort of admitting that there's this uh, animal quality yeah. to men that that is that is terrible. Yeah, and and recognizing and how horrible that must be from a woman's perspective. Right, and know? and and that and that even as a man fighting against it is like yeah. is like a challenge on a daily basis. Yeah, you know this thing about like the yeah. PSI, like get a little, little PSI out of the out of the genitals. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> let a little PSI out, and it's gonna explode. You know. Um, so yeah, man. So what an interesting guy, and how interesting that. Uh, I mean, just the fact that we've spoken about him this long means, and the fact that you say he's hopping up all over New York and stuff like that. I think it's just a few years away from when he starts making his. Uh, yeah. His. Uh, and it's interesting about art because, like you know, but like R. Kelly or someone like right. that has has consistently made music. It's well, like I think I think, I think the public is I think the public is finally over with R. Kelly, really, um, because something uh, something else recently came out about R. Kelly. But yeah, no, the R. Kelly was kind of like he had a, like a harem, like he was keeping all of these yeah. women against like people. Oh called right, it a right, sex yeah, cult. he was like he it like, was like he a like sex cult. Yeah, he like mind fucked a bunch of people. Yeah, and then he sex cult, but all the women in the sex cult were like there willingly, but all right. their parents were like, call the police. Right, right, right. Our, yeah, you got to get our little girl back or <laughs> something like yeah, that. I, yeah, I use uh, I've used R. Kelly as an example in my comedy for years about this idea that like. You know, as men, we ju we don't want to cross the line too far. We don't want to get to that R. Kelly place. Like we yeah. all have that possibility but, but that we do to too many things in sex that we that we that our appetites can't handle it, and that we now need a whole new arsenal of things to even have an orgasm. But he's also one of the most. Oh, that's true, and that's the internet's fault as well. <laughs> right. But, he, but he's also is everything that we add to it is now can't be removed. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you build on these layers of right. filth. <laughs> right. How do you strip down the layers but of you filth? Can't. You can't. You, you can can't add to it. them, but right. you can't subtract. <laughs> right, right, it's terrible. Right, right. But um, what was I just saying? I was saying with R. Kelly, he is also insanely talented, and I find right. there is that sense of like, there's people who are gonna buy his album. No He's still gonna the the, the love. What's the what's the, the love slide? The love. Uh, what's the damn. What's the, the love? The what was that the album song, called? The song where they, uh, where they, where, y- where you can do a, uh, um, a dance line. You can get a song. <laughs> oh, you got the love slide. Uh, the love slide. Anyway, every black, every black wedding has the love slide. Troy Tesla. No matter, no matter how What's many. What's that song that R. Kelly does when people dance in a line? <laughs> Is it called the love slide? Seven the name of love. This one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven day love. Step, step, step. I think it's the love slide. <laughs> we not. Oh, so sorry. by the way, uh, so I, by the way, I, I, I know that Deep Fried Man is a musical comedian. That we should have been doing this the whole time. I know you're a dodgy guy, R. <laughs> Kelly, but I'm still <laughs> sorry <laughs> that we butchered your song like that. Yeah. That wasn't fair That's of us. Funny. Mm. Um, yeah, he. Uh, it is. It's the element of talent. It's the element. It's a lot of things. But like with Harvey Weinstein, it's like you can't get away with that shit if you're a producer. Because you have no talent. Because yeah, essentially all you're doing is is. Um, this is interesting. Yeah, now, talents, yeah, now we're yeah. taking now we're taking a weird we're a weird perspective <laughs> on it where we're basically just saying as long as you're talented you can rape people, <laughs> which I don't think is how either of us feel. No, I don't think I don't think we're saying it's right that that's the case, but I think we're saying that it's interesting w- who gets completely destroyed in their career. It's just tough. And who gets to carry on? But no, I, I no, I think the bigger discussion is what do you do to someone's work of art once we find out who they are as a, as a human being. And that's very tough because I had a thing recently where I heard a song by Mark Ronson. We had gotten Mystical on the track. And Mystical is the rapper who's probably best known for Shake your ass, watch yourself. Yeah, we know, yep. Okay, yeah. so that was, but then I was like, where's Mystical been? Then I heard this track with Mark Ronson. One of the best tracks I've ever heard, man. It's called Feel Right, and it's got like a James Brown feel. And okay. on it, you know like how Mark Ronson does that sort of old soul sound so well. Yeah. So it sounds like an old James Brown song. He's just borrowing, yeah. And then, and then Mystical raps on it, but yeah. he raps like the like James Brown of rap. So it's got this like sense of like you can picture him on stage with like a whole um, eight-piece soul band yeah, yeah, with yeah. like the three shoe-up singers and all sure. that. You know, it was so well done. And I was like listening to the well, song. Which of those people do you not respect? Wait. So then I decided... <laughs> So then I decided now I must Google what's happened to Mystical because how <laughs> has he just okay. been off the scene for so long? Yeah. I Googled him. Turns out the reason why he'd been gone for so long is because he went to jail. And the reason why he went to jail is because there was video footage of him and a bodyguard raping his um, fashion, the person who used to be the fashion woman on yeah, the yeah, tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who dress him. At gunpoint, allegedly in retribution for her owing him money. Oh. And so now I'm like listening to the song and it still sounds amazing to me. Right. And I want to not like right. it, but it's right. so hard. Right. It's it's, it's so that moment. Hard. Yeah, it's it's that it, how do we do we separate? How do we separate? Yeah. It? How do we f- like the, the Roman Polanski thing? It's all the yeah. things. And, and like because do you know what the thing is? If you take it too far, you have to basically stop liking everything. Because if you're going right. to, like, for instance, I remember there was a, a think piece where they said now everything Harvey Weinstein produced is basically canceled now. Right. But that's 20 years worth of Oscar yeah. winning movies. That's right. like every movie that won right. an yeah. Oscar. What, yeah. What, yeah. We were like, like uh, the 90s. one thing. And well, <laughs> and this is the other problem is, is and then this, this, this. That's Pulp Fiction. This brings in this larger uh, discussion, which is like. Do you need to also be a sociopath to be a genius? 
Yeah, is as that sense of it? Is right. there that sense of it? Because it goes back because, you know, society was not always as, uh, you know, society was quite permissive at a certain stage. And I know, like, for instance, there's guys like Gauguin, the artist, yeah. was very well known as being, like, a bit of a pedophile. Like, he right. went and he lived in this island in the Philippines okay, and, 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 like, had, like, 12-year-olds. But wives Gauguin is what? Uh, impressionism, right? No, he's um, uh, surrealism. No, no, no. It was... I get confused between abstract expressionism and impressionism. He was impressionism. Right, in between those. So impressionism yeah, yeah, yeah. is when it's like a very naive way of painting actual right. things. So he right. would do these like island women, the, the women that he lived with in the Philippines, he would do these very like naive paintings. Right, so well, so my only argument there is that sort of everything was sort of uh, pedophilic yeah, I mean, Bef until recently, that, like, that like is you true. It's like, like there was a time when you would marry twelve-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was that time. Yeah. So oh, the good old days. <laughs> 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 but uh, you know what I mean? It's like ah, <laughs> oh, this these woke kids of today. <laughs> now you can't even marry a twelve-year-old without <laughs> getting into trouble on Twitter. So that's my only <laughs> argument there. I mean, we can't compare. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized you could separate just that clip out of context <laughs> right. and make me look so bad. <laughs> no, I think everybody knows clearly that, okay. this is, that something funny has happened. Okay, I hope so. Um, <laughs> but then, but yeah, but again, that's the that uh, that's sort of that. Then maybe that brings us to the to the to the overall big point about comedy and the whole thing where we started, which is this idea that like everything is allowed to be funny in the right context. And and so once yeah. we once we build in that context, then we then we get to that we get to talk about it. Yeah. But and comedy and comes from dark shit. But I do think so. And I but I think sometimes people make the mistake of being outraged at not. Oh, you the can't joke about but that. But also it's they're not outraged at the joke. They're outraged at what the joke right. is about. You're not allowed to joke about and not that. Yeah. And like, yeah, but, but did you hear it? Did you, but yeah. did you hear the fucking joke? But that's hard as well because um, people's level of understanding of things like satire and sarcasm, those are things where you don't always say what you mean, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you say the right. opposite of what you this mean. This is the problem, is, and, and this is how I try to put it, is like, is like the audience is sort of at like first year funny. And yeah. so our whole job every year after we're past first hmm. year funny, our whole job is to figure out how to go get them yeah. and bring them up to where up yeah. to speed to where we're at. And, there, and that's the whole framing the is bringing them to, to the place where they understand where we're coming from, because we don't look at the world how first year funny guys look at the world. Did you see that Vice documentary? There was a Vice documentary no. recently about comedy on campuses in America no. and how comedians like the big comedians like Chris Rock and guys like that have straight up said I'm not well this yeah this was the big this was the big thing in the last four or five years was Jerry Seinfeld saying yeah, I don't Seinfeld play colleges well. because it's too PC yeah exactly and then there's this vice documentary about but I'm it. going but at the same time I'm going listen Jerry Seinfeld you don't play colleges because they can't afford you Yes, there's that as well. But also, I'm thinking like, what is Jerry Seinfeld saying, which is on PC? Right, right. <laughs> so, so it's like, yeah, so he can say whatever he wants about, this, about, about these places that he's not playing. But yeah. it's like he's not playing those because it's not a uh, a, a million dollar gig. They were super offended about his bits about how muffins are <laughs> overrated. I don't know. Right. <laughs> like yeah, I don't. But but um, but it it was interesting because his Vice documentary is from the perspective of the comedians who are being booked right. at this point to do like right. the the spring what are the those called uh, like uh, the um, that week where you'd have a lot not of comedians not ASCAP but the other one um, uh, but that yeah, week where you'd have lots yeah. of comedians and it is this case of like now you sit down there's three people one of them is an intersectional feminist lecturer the right. other one is like a, you know and they're, right. all these guys and they're telling you exactly what you can and can't say right and you're busy sitting there thinking like how am I gonna yeah they told us they told us once if we talked about um, if we talked about race and they would or if they, they, uh, no they said if we said anything that they didn't like they would pull the mics. 
And this was on, uh, and there's Giannis Papas, who's very, very uh, uh, successful now. Nate Bargatze, who's very successful now. I love and that. Myself. It's not like we won't pay you. It's not like we won't invite you back. It's just like, we'll pull the mic. Well, right well I, think, I think the assumption was that they wouldn't pay us <laughs> also. Either, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but, no, but but it's like, well then, we, then we're on guard the whole show, and it's like, we don't even know what, they yeah. didn't even give us guidelines. Yeah. They just said, we'll pull the mics if we don't like it. Yeah. And, and this and is and the teachers. And now, we're crushing with the students, mm. and this is just two administrators yeah. in the back. That's the thing I was going to say, is it's often really bad when you think about the fact that I know this audience is going to like my bit yeah. about XYZ, but because the person who's booking me yeah. says no XYZ as a topic, that means even a one where I'm putting it in quite a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like well, this, like is a horrible, this is a horrible analogy, but this, this is the one I'm going to use. Is I had a lady stay in my apartment for an Airbnb, and her, her son booked it. Mm. And so she came to the Airbnb. My roommate was a slob at the time. He had left the place a mess. So she came, had to clean the place, and then had to then tell her son who booked the thing. So the review that he left me it through the through the eyes of his mother was so much worse because he never had to live in the house. So he basically had to listen to his mother complain to him about how dirty the place was, and then he translated and made it so much. He took the human element out of it because he didn't have to experience the thing. So now he's coming from, if she had to write the review, she would have given some, some uh, levity to it. Yeah. She'd have been like, I understand where you're coming from. So and yeah, but and then once you take another step out, then it's all removed. So now you're the person hearing about what happened to the comedy show, and, and you're you the don't administrator. Have that sense of who's saying it, who's right? Yeah, you so weren't so in so the room. Yeah. And you're just hearing the joke now, translated from the person who was offended by it. So they're mm -hmm. fucking up the joke. They're but like, I don't know. He just came out and called everybody Marisol and then left. Like it's like you know. But it was it was in this documentary. It was quite because it was sad. It was like the a lot of the like people who booked the comedy were saying like, the students in our campus today they really need to feel like they're in a space which is very safe and very warm right, where none of their, their ideas jobs. will be challenged, right. etc. And where everything will be perfectly accorded. And I'm just like, that's not that's what comedy is for. That's also the that's opposite of what, what college is for. And that's not what college is for either. Yeah, so that's sad. Yeah, that's sad as a 37-year-old. Are you 37? <laughs> oh, shit. I'm joking. I'm 24. <laughs> Book me. I'm 24. <laughs> no, but The kids love me. The kids <laughs> of today. <laughs> Uh, was it? Uh, we're starting. So we're, we're, I mean, we're very close to showtime, and they're starting. To they're trap. starting to like turn the the trap music up. Migos, <laughs> huge fan. Louder and louder. I love that thing they do in the songs where they go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I appreciate you and your time. Uh, this is uh, Deep Fried Man. Tell them how to follow you and such and so forth on um, the internet. You can get it's at Deep Fried Man. One word, no underscores or no nothing. Deep Fried Man. This the way so you usually spell Deep Fried and Man. And this is Instagram. On Instagram, Twitter. on Twitter, and on Facebook, you could just search for Deep Fried Man. You guys, and you guys don't really, they don't, uh, I found this out, they don't really fuck with uh, Snapchat the way you do, we do in the U.S. Kids so do, no. yeah. Like, yeah. there's a certain amount of, like, kids, like, people my brother's age, my brother, yeah. got a younger brother who's, like, uh, 19. And yeah. Yeah, and he, he used to, even he now, he's like, nah. I still love Snapchat, but there's something, yeah, there's something about the, the culture here where nobody's, nobody's into No one's it. into Snapchat, yeah. yeah. So don't like don't don't snap him. Don't snap me. <laughs> <laughs> and what was there was a time when it looked like it could c catch on, but do you know I the enjoy thing it. is? Don't you feel like sometimes that it's like if someone were to say tomorrow there's this new amazing social media, you'd be like, I can't fucking I don't have do more another time. one. I don't have any more time. How am yeah. I supposed to do all these different things? I think that ha isn't that happening. That's happened. In a way, it's yeah. like now now you got to think like I've got this thing on Twitter. Now do I do that automatic thing so that it goes right. instantly to Facebook at right. the same time? 
or things like that. Instagram. Instagram. This is a very hard life for us. I'm really bad at Instagram. I'm suck at Instagram. Yeah. I get so sad at how few likes I get on Instagram. I don't know what it is. Yeah. What I'm doing wrong. I'm but start. Like I'm just now starting to almost figure it out. I'm starting to to, to sort of see an arc of like uh, of, of 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 the peak of where I can get to. It's like I know what I know what a really good post is now and what a shitty post is now. I really, really don't. All I know is that the only way for me to get likes is to post cute pictures of my son. That'll work. Yeah. <laughs> That'll work for the whole time. People will be like, This comedian must be amazing. His entire life revolves around yeah, taking photos it, it, of his son. Yeah, it was interesting. So there was a there was a point in time where I was only taking pictures of my food and my dog and I was like, Well, this doesn't help my comedy at all. Yeah. I think you need to leverage the dog and food pictures with yeah. pictures of you on stage. Right. But you have to understand the pictures Just of you on collage. stage will probably get the less, the least yeah. likes. Yeah. Oh, my dog. Less. My dog crushes most of the yeah. likes. Yeah. But the, the stage ones, it's hard to get right. It's like if you see someone in like a, the ra in Radio Music City Hall, yeah. standing there with a perfect selfie of the entire audience behind yeah. them, that's going to get like a lot of likes. But like when it's like the back of the venue and it's at you're a little dot at the you front. You didn't get any Boxburg likes? No. Uh, no one gets likes <laughs> for being in Boxburg. <laughs> they should actually have an unlike function on Instagram. Just well, no, it's like um, now I'm leaving Boxburg. <laughs> and then that should like, get the likes. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for doing this interview. This is the Comedy's Best Kept Secret Tour podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. Yeah. We're on, uh, I don't know, the other things like yeah. Podbean and whatnot. We got some uh, YouTube footage today. Uh. Wherever you found us, we're on the other thing. Yeah. Whether you're Android or Apple friendly, we're there. Uh. Uh, keep listening to us. We got I got uh, four weeks here in uh, South Africa. I'm going to interview everybody that I think is uh, important and relevant in the area so uh, sorry Troy <laughs> I'm just kidding we're going to get Troy Tesla on in a later <laughs> episode look out for what him what did he say he said something along the lines of I'm re relevant to myself or something like my mom said? thinks I'm relative <laughs> sorry You're, I'm relevant elsewhere, elsewhere. <laughs> uh, so thank you guys for listening I'm relevant to Japan